Welcome to episode 46 of Wonder Space. It's great to have you on board. My name is Steve Cole, and over the past year, I have been asking the same six questions to amazing people from around the world. The questions orbit around wonder and hopefulness, and the setting for each journey is a shared window on the space station from where we see everything from a different perspective. Before we introduce our guest, our friends at asknature.org are going to help us to re-wonder. Fins and tails control the movement of a fish through water, but it's those staggered rows of overlapping scales that control the movement of water around a fish. Behind the peaks of the dome-shaped scales, the flow of water is slowed. In the valleys between them, the water rushes by. This gives the fish a tiny pocket of nicely combed straight and smooth water to travel through, making very brief order out of an ocean of chaotic currents. Our orbit this week will take us from the Middle East to Kazakhstan. And to experience these views with us in this ultimate window seat, we welcome Huda Jawad. Huda was born in Baghdad, has a master's in international studies, and has spent much of her life working with NGOs, tackling a wide range of issues relating to social exclusion, justice, equality, and conflict resolution. Huda is currently the co-director of Musuwa, which is a global movement for equality and justice in the Muslim family, and was nominated by our ninth guest on Wonderspace, Sarah Hyde. Here is Sarah telling us why she nominated Huda. I nominated Huda for Wonderspace because to know her is to love her. And um, she is such an inspiring person. I just thought as many people as possible need to hear about this passionate, smart, wonderful woman's brilliant activism, life-changing activism and innovative ideas. When I'm a grown-up, I'd like to be like Huda. She's amazing. I hope you enjoy her episode. With a panoramic view of Earth, I start by asking Huda, if we could fly past any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city or country would it be and why? Central Asia and the lands of the Silk Route uh, and the reason why I um, want to f- kind of fly past is because I've always, uh, always fascinated by the idea of like how people from such far away places, without the use of modern technology like roads and cars, can go all the way across mountains and ravines and seas and deserts to completely somewhere else. They don't even know if they're going to get there. They don't even know what they're going to find. And then they would meet humans from a totally different culture, can't understand a word or speak the words or the language, yet they kind of communicate and they come back and then they bring stuff. It's just the idea of like it epitomizes human interaction for me. Um, and also because it's my heritage of like the Islamic kind of culture and how that was infused with trade and the 
civilizational aspect of it all of the history of the story it just feels like a a fairy tale that i'd love to kind of revisit huda give us a glimpse into your life story so far with an emphasis on what you are doing currently well i was born in baghdad um and i uh left when i was 2 i'm currently 44 i think um my parents were political activists so they ran away and fled and we fled i fled with them uh so i guess i'm a refugee i'm a child carer my mum got sick and nearly died when i was 7 and i ended up being carer for my family and my younger sisters at the age of seven, um, we moved around again um, to uh, Abu Dhabi and then lived um, a very interesting life and privileged life. My parents, uh, one was a teacher and my dad was a um, telecoms engineer that set up all the kind of infrastructure for what is now Dubai and, you know, United Arab Emirates, etc., um, but uh, the war in Iraq uh, and Iran broke out and we were seen as fifth columnists because we belonged to the wrong side and the wrong um, type of Muslim. And so we had to run away again. Uh, and we came uh, to Syria. And in Syria, mum and dad wanted a better life for their children and so we came to the UK in 1988. I think I turned 11 here. I kind of um, went through, you know, high school without a word of English um, and then managed to get myself into university <laughs> and did a psychology and sociology degree. And then I did a master's in international studies and diplomacy. Um, I worked on, you know, conflict resolution and politics on the Middle East. And then I had a baby and then I had to change jobs and I uh, stumbled upon feminism. And I had my feminist awakening in my first job after having my child, which was in a domestic violence charity in London. Um, at the moment, my life's work is about um, working on gender equality, um, feminism, anti-oppression, uh, anti-racism, um, the most recent thing I've done that's caught kind of some public imagination was the campaign to end racists from football stadiums for life. So um, we have a petition that got 1.2 million signatories and I am one of the three hijabis. Um, and also um, in my current role as the co-director of Musawa, which is the organisation that it is attempting and trying very hard to and succeeding, hopefully, in being the global movement for equality in the Muslim family. And we try to uh, bring about feminist interpretations um, of, uh, of Islamic cultural and religious understandings so that women's, um, women's place in Muslim countries um, is enhanced using uh, theology as a way of liberating women rather than it being appropriated by patriarchy to oppress them. Um, 
and that's yeah what I do. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? My place of reset and recharge is the Sultanate of Oman. It is the most magical place in the world because it's right in the middle of the desert but also has the most fantastic geography. It has wadis and ravines, it has mountains, it has desert, it has pure water, lakes and the most amazing wildlife and the weather is always sunny and brilliant and the people are so lovely and I feel alive, my soul is at rest when I am in that place because it's so far removed from what I know and what I live. I feel like it's peaceful. I feel like it's safe. I feel like I could uh, forever be rested and recharged. And it, it's what nature and humanity look like when they're balanced. What wonder of the natural world excites you the most? The rainforest reminds me of how tiny I am insignificance and how my problems are like whatever's who cares so it's uh just amazing to know that there's a sense of timelessness about them and and the sense of like um history that they have like this little seed has been there for like a gazillion years and it's just amazing to know that um things other than human beings that seem so simple and primitive have this striking beauty, but also resilience. Huda, what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own, about a person, business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? My story of hopefulness is about a charity or an organisation called Al Ain Foundation, which is um, a foundation that was started in Iraq just after 9-11. And it's, um, you know, what makes it a different charity uh, to all the other amazing work that is being done on the ground across the world in places of conflict is that it really engages, it catches the imagination because... It works to bring um, joy, to, particularly for children. One of the things that they do um, is they create um, toy shops for children who have particularly been affected by war. So what they do is they, um, they ask uh, people to donate uh, brand new toys or possibly very good condition toys um, and then they set up uh, toy shops for these children to go in and choose a toy without having to pay for it, obviously. One of the things that I love about Alain is that they try to connect the, the diaspora um, with the people living on the ground in, in Iraq. Um, they get um, people who live in the West... Uh, to uh, train, support, and provide expert 
expertise to professionals on the ground. They also think from a trauma-informed perspective, which is really, really important in these places. And I think a lot of charities tend to think disaster relief or conflict relief is about providing tents and, you know, medical facilities, which is very, very important. But I think um, with Alain, they're really um, there for the long term. And with Alain, they try to give them the best that there is uh, in terms of the best medical care, the, the latest sort of treatments and methods. They really make sure that those who are receiving the funds maintain their sense of um, dignity and uh, and kind of um, pride without them needing to be grateful or um, kind of ashamed for seeking help. Finally, as we prepare to re-enter, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to share with us? The insight or maybe the wisdom or maybe the question that I would like to share is that we are custodians of this planet. We are the, all there is in terms of who is there to help, who is there to do anything about any wrongdoing, any injustice, any righting of wrongs. We are the ones. We all can make a difference, however small. We started um, a petition to ban racists from football stadiums um, after the Euro 2020 matches this year um, when England reached the final um, and three black players missed the penalties Um, and pretty much as soon as the match was over or rather as soon as the penalties were missed and we looked at each other and we said oh my goodness these young men will be dealing with a serious backlash tomorrow. Um, and so they were subjected in in the you know space of less than 12 hours to horrific crisis vitriol online. And what we did was we started a petition and within 48 hours, we got over a million signatories. And the petition was really um, about saying that um, racism in football and in society is really not okay. (laughs) And we are tired. We're tired of these kinds of um, uh, prejudice views. And this really call to action came through this petition that we set up. And I think people really answered the call. We were so inspired by people from all walks of life who we've never met before, that we'll never meet, we'll never see, kind of heeded this call. And we, and we know we're ordinary, three ordinary Muslim women, you know, who, who were watching football together after a series of horrible lockdowns and a year in which we were impacted by the coronavirus. And we didn't think anything of it. We didn't think it would explode in the way that it did. But that is the wisdom that I'd like to share with everybody is that we are so powerful together and we can make change. All it takes is for people, ordinary people, to stand up and say, I'm not having that. Who wants to help me to change things? And um, looking at the earth, I'm just uh, reminded of how 
how much uh, closeness and love I feel for everybody who I will never know. But I feel that we are part of the same tribe and most of us will help each other out if we just ask. To find out more about the work of Musawa, go to musawa.org. In her story of hopefulness, Huda spoke about the amazing work of Elaine, and you can find out more at elaine.co.uk. That's A-L-A-Y-N. To listen to the previous 45 episodes of Wonderspace, including the wonderful Sarah Hyde who nominated Huda, go to ourwonder.space. I want to thank Huda for joining us on this Wonder Space, and I hope you can join us next week for more wonders and stories of hopefulness. <laughs>